Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Today, I am joined by 2014 TH Coach of the Year, who is the man in charge of the Hempstead Mustangs storied program, state champions from 1974 and 1978, 1983, and 1984. So, Coach Jeff Rapp, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Thanks, Nick. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you holding up? I'm hanging in there, getting a little stir-crazy, but doing well. That's good. I'm going on 13 days and counting right now as we speak. Before we uh, get to know a little bit about your program and this program in the spotlight episode here, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your player experiences and then your coaching experiences, and we'll follow up with some questions after that. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know that uh, anybody's all that interested in my playing career. It's been so long ago, but um, I did uh, graduate from Hempstead High School. I did play there under uh, Coach Core. Um, I went on to play uh, two years of junior college baseball at Waldorf College, which is now a four-year school. Um, and then I went on from there to the University of Dubuque for Coach Rima and um, played 15 years of semi-pro um, around the area. And as, as far as coaching career, um, this will be my 30th season coaching at Hempstead. I, I spent the first 20 years as an assistant, whether that be at the freshman level, sophomore level, varsity assistant. Um, and then this is my 10th year as, as head coach. Very cool. And do you happen to know your overall career record off the top of your head? To be perfectly honest with you, I I don't really have any idea. You know, I get asked that question every year by the Telegraph Herald when they want to do the uh, preseason spotlight of all the teams. And every year I have to go back into quick stats year by year and add up wins and losses. And I I can never remember what it is. And I guess um, to me, me personally, I, I, I don't care that much about it, um, to be honest. Um, you know, it's all about what we have in front of us. And, and that particular year and what we've done in the past really doesn't mean that that much, um, at least to me. Um, so, you know, I, I always look at it as year by year. And if we have talent, we're going to win. If we don't have as much talent as usual, we're probably not going to win as much. So I, I tell Coach Cooksley, um, you know, He's who's my assistant. Um, he's in charge of wins. I'm in charge of losses. So I, I guess I have no wins uh, to date. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, I actually know my uh, overall record as a freshman and sophomore head coach. But um, yeah, so uh, moving on here, introduce us to your staff 
and give us some background with your assistants and your sophomore and your freshman head coaches as well. Sure. Um, my, my right-hand man, uh, Matt Cooksley, um, been around a long time. He uh, actually started his career as a head coach right out of um, right out of college, um, back in his hometown area at a, at a 1A school. The name's escaping me at the time. Um, he spent 10 years under Coach Fleming um, at, at senior high school as an assistant. Um, he's been over at Hempstead for, I want to say, about eight or nine years now. Um, spent some time at the sophomore level, and he's been with me um, at the varsity level for a few years. Um, our sophomore coach, uh, Don Perkle, um, he's been with us for maybe about five or six years, I believe. Um, coached over at Wallard for a few years. Um, still currently coaches as an assistant at Loris College. Uh, coaches in football um, up at Hempstead. Uh, came from the Chicago area. Went to Loris College. Um, couple couple freshman coaches that we have. Um, Mark Hennessy uh, from Lansing Key High. And... Uh, He's been with us for a number of years. Uh, he started off, I believe, at, I want to say at the sophomore level um, under under uh, Matt Cooksley um, as his volunteer assistant for a few years, and he's taken over a freshman job. Um, so I, I, I want to say he's been with us, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. I, I lose track of time. Um, and then stepping up this year for his first year um, as head coach at the freshman level is Zach Stevenson. Um, who graduated from Hempstead four years ago as a player and is currently uh, finishing up at the University of Iowa. And he's, he's helped us out the last three years as a volunteer assistant. And uh, he's taking over for his brother, Nick, um, this year at the, at the freshman level. Yeah, Zach reached out to me uh, a couple days ago with some ideas for upcoming shows. And I wish Zach the best of luck and uh, He'll do a good job. I know when he was an assistant for his brother, I, I was impressed with the with the two things that that those guys were doing. Funny story about Coach Cooksley before we before we move on is um, his first year he got back in the game. He was actually my volunteer assistant at the sophomore level, and that okay. was those the 2014 group. So the Vassins and the Shepherds and the Breitbach and the Kutch and the Milius and. Tompkins and those guys and it was funny because I was a young buck at the time and coach Cooksley is probably I'd say maybe 15 20 years older than I am so umpires always assumed and opposing coaches always assumed that he was the head coach and that I was the volunteer assistant so many times people would approach him giving him baseballs looking for lineup cards wanting to go over ground rules and he would always have to redirect them over to me. Yeah, well, don't feel bad because they do the same thing to me, and he's only a couple years older than I am. <laughs> yeah, great, great guy. He does he does great things uh, over there. Now, when you're putting together a staff, what what are you looking for in incoming coaches or background or um, abilities they might have to help out the Hempstead program? Well, you know, a few things. Um, it's not necessarily uh, baseball first. Um, you know, it's somebody that's passionate about, um, working with kids, um, somebody who's going to put, put them first. Um, it's somebody who's, um, as concerned about the program as, as I am, um, you know, looking back, we've had several, several people, uh, coaching our program that were players 
um, at Hempstead High School, and I think that says a lot. I mean, you being one of them, um, Jeff Horner, who's now the uh, head football coach, coached uh, baseball with us for a number of years, Chris Johnson, um, you know, both Stevenson boys, um, you know, Dan Kennedy, who went there many years ago and, and had a son play there, and of coach, uh, of course, uh, Coach Cooksley, um, who had a couple of sons play there, and, and he's still with us. Um, you know, Coach Perkle uh, had coached football over there and came over and joined us in, in baseball. So, you know, just people that are passionate about Hempstead High School, passionate about working with kids, um, possibly, you know, somebody who is interested in being a head coach at some point in their career, because I know they're going to, you know, they're going to try very hard at what they do every single day. You know, I, I looking back at um, when I was an assistant, um, you know, as I got going, maybe 10, 15 years into it, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And, and I probably put as much time into it um, as an assistant as, as I do now, just because that's where I wanted to be. Now, when I was at Western Dubuque, we had a motto every single year that the coaches and the players abided by. And the last year we were there, the motto was win, which came from uh, Luke, Lou Holtz of uh, Notre Dame football. And win stood for what's important now. And right now, do you have any mottos or coaching beliefs that you're going to stress with your players and your coaches and your parents with your program for the upcoming season? Well, I think it's pretty much the same every year. I know my message at the beginning of the year and every year. Um, our number one goal um, is, is to simply have fun. And that means a lot of different things um, to different people. Um, you know, I, I can't say that there's any one word or any one phrase that we necessarily go by, but um, just, just making it fun, whatever that means to each individual. Um, being positive, being respectful, uh, making making everybody feel valued no matter what their role is on the team. Um, you know, I, I think is, is, is very, very important. One of the, one of the greatest compliments I ever had um, as a coach was um, from Jeff Joel, who's a principal over at, at Roosevelt. And he had a son who played with us for, for a few years in our program. And, you know, he played a role. He didn't, he didn't play a lot. He was a pitcher mostly out of the bullpen for us. Um, at the varsity level, you know, probably only had a handful of at-bats in his varsity career, didn't really play the field. Um, but at the end of the year, um, Mr. Joel came to me and said, you know, I, I just want to tell you that um, Andy, Andy really had a lot of fun and he felt, he felt valued. And that, that's, that really meant a lot to me coming from somebody who was, uh, quote unquote, a role player and somebody who didn't see a lot of time. Um, so that meant a lot to me with, you know, having fun being our, our number one goal, um, you know, and he obviously was able to do that. I, I agree with you that having fun is the number one goal. It's the number one motto. If, if you're not having fun, there's no reason to be coaching. There's, there's no reason to be playing. And it's always great to get those positive compliments and those positive uh, feedback from player from parents and players in the community. I always enjoyed when you're putting a team together. It's almost like you're putting a puzzle together, and you have players that, for example, might not fit into the huge grand scheme of things, but fit a 
puzzle. Maybe they uh, are the, one of the fastest kids at the high school and they want to be on and they want to accept their role as a late inning pinch runner or a courtesy runner, or maybe they're a left-handed specialist out of the bullpen. That was always my favorite thing to do was looking at your roster and how you were going to put those pieces together so that everybody felt valued and everybody felt like they had a role. And then it was their ultimate choice if they wanted to continue with their role and, and continue uh, with that season. Because um, uh, some kids sometimes aren't accepting of, of that role or, or think they could play a bigger role. And sometimes with injuries or things that might occur, you get pushed into another role. And many times kids will step up to the occasion and, and sometimes they won't um, work into that into that role when they're pushed into it. But when you think about yourself as a coach, what would you say are some of your greatest strengths and then also follow up with maybe some weaknesses that you have as a coach? Sure. Um, that's always a tough question in an interview. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess thinking about that, um, you know, one of the things that I have had feedback on as far as um, a strength is I do think I am as, as fair as I can possibly be um, with still trying to win, um, still giving kids an opportunity. Um, you know, one thing that um, one phrase that was said to me uh, a few years back, and I, I, I really thought about it a lot, and I, I've tried to implement it as much as I can, is is to give give kids an opportunity to fail. And what I mean by that is is maybe you have a senior that um, doesn't fit so well in that puzzle that you're talking about, but maybe giving them an opportunity, um, you know, a doubleheader, um, a non-conference game, um, a pinch a pinch hitting role, a DH role, something um, where you're at least giving them the opportunity to either rise to the occasion or, or not get it done. And I I think that I've done a pretty good job of that over the years. You know, I'm not real quick to pull the trigger on, on bringing some kids up. Um, You know, even when perhaps some of our coaches think that, um, you know, this kid needs to be moved up to the sophomore level or this kid needs to be moved up to the varsity level. And I always try to keep in mind that, um, you know, some of these juniors and seniors have been with us for a number of years. And I want to first try to give them as many opportunities to fail um, as I can and and still win. Um, I think one of the other things I've really tried to do is let our coaches coach. Um, trust them to coach, uh, not look over somebody's shoulder and, and try to micromanage. And, um, you know, I've been able to do that because we have a lot of good people in our program. Um, but um, I, I think those are maybe two of my big, biggest biggest strengths. Um, you know, as, as far as weaknesses, um, it, you know, one, one thing that I, I think about after the fact is, I probably overthought that situation too much, or I probably overthought that lineup too much. Or, um, you know, I always go back to the, a phrase from Coach Witchery. He used to say, sometimes you just got to let the ponies run, babe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get caught up sometimes in situations. Um, do we bunt? Do we steal? Do we hit and run? And, and sometimes I just got to put my hands in my pockets and, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And, and sometimes, um, you know, I get caught up in wanting to do too much maybe sometimes as a coach and, and sometimes you just got to – sometimes the best thing to do is to say nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I've learned that um, sometimes the hard way 
by maybe pressing the issue and we get burned. Um, but um, I, I would say that's certainly something that I need to work on and, and continue to work on and, and, and think about as, as we enter a new season. I, I can help you out with that. Uh, never call a bunt. Most uh, overrated play in baseball. Never give up an out. So um, last my last year coaching, uh, we played – I think we played 24 games. I gave the bunt signal once, and uh, I was I was proud of that. I wanted to make it the whole year. So, uh, without overthinking it, just get rid of the bunt sign. Don't need to do that next year. And a lot of people listening to this don't realize that Coach Rapp and I go way back. Uh, I have known him, looked up to him since 1996. He was my freshman coach at Hempstead, and then him and I uh, reconnected when I got hired. Uh, back at Hempstead after a three-year stint at Wallard. And um, Coach Rapp really rubbed me the wrong way when I um, got on the coaching staff for the the second time. He probably knows the story that I'm going to tell, but I showed up to my first day of uh, freshman practice, and I had just gotten this customized fungo bat. And the handle was gold, and the rest of the bat was green and it had my name engraved on it and hen said mustangs and it was about a hundred and fifty dollar bat and and coach you were impressed with it and you asked me if you could see it do you know where i'm going with this story i don't i don't remember this one i handed you the bat first time it's ever been touched by somebody else and you knocked off your dirty muddy cleats with it uh getting it all dirty and getting all muddy you don't remember that well, I, I I don't. I believe you. Um, yeah, I I, I, I probably that was probably intentional. Looking back at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it was too. And it was. Oh my gosh. I would say, seventeen or so years ago. But coach, um, the reason why I mentioned how long we've known each other is I think your greatest strength could also be your greatest weakness. I think that uh, one of your greatest strengths is your loyalty. And I think that one of your greatest weaknesses might be your loyalty. I can understand that. And when I say that, I can make that comment because you and I have had coaches meetings together. We've sat down and there were times where first game of the year, you always start all of the seniors. And I can remember uh, Alex Gross starting and I can remember me and uh, the other coach on staff not wanting to start him, that we had better options. And you really wanted to give all of the seniors an opportunity to to show what they could do before we displace them. I, I remember as a sophomore coach having that 2014 group, and I remember thinking that before it's all said and done, you are going to take the majority of my team. You're going to take my center field or you're going to take my shortstop. You're going to take my catcher. And we had an unbelievable season that year. I believe we were 27 and nine lost out on the conference against Cedar Rapids Jefferson the last game of the season when they brought all their varsity guys who are now playing professional baseball to come and play our sophomore team. But, um, also, I remember you always, the last double header of the season on senior night, will start all seniors. 
And I've looked at all of the programs and we've broken down their all decade teams. And there are some teams that have five year varsity starters. And there are some programs, I look at Wallard and I look at Western Dubuque, the verdict is still out on senior with with a new coach in the regime there. But they are quick to pull up uh, young talent. And I know Casey Bryant puts his roster together with the 24 best guys in the program that can best help help the varsity team win. So that that's my um, my assessment on things is that your loyalty to your players is uh, probably your greatest strength, but then sometimes might also be uh, your greatest weakness as well. Anything to, to add to our therapy session before we move forward? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I just think that goes back to um, one of my beliefs is, is that um, giving, giving players the opportunity to fail, you know, and um, you call it loyalty, call it whatever you want. But, um, you know, I think somebody that's been in our program for a number of years and somebody that's 18 years old, I don't want to displace them right away with a 14 or 15 year old kid until um, I know that that senior has um, I, I've given them a chance. I've given them multiple chances and, and they've proven that they, they can't get it done. And, and maybe I need to go to a different option. Now, I, I think in most cases, um, I think those, those kids have, have risen to the challenge and um, gotten the job done. Um, you know, it, like you said, it doesn't always work out. Sometimes I might shoot myself in the foot, but I think, um, I think that really goes a long way with kids um, in developing those relationships and, um, you know, and for the, their loyalty as well to the program, um, just knowing that, hey, I'm going to get an opportunity. I just have to make the most of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and I, and I know being on the coaching staff for, for a while, that you and I would have that conversation, especially when I was at the younger levels, and I remember your exact answer always being, this kid and this family has been in our program for four or five years, and I'm not going to put somebody in front of them that is new to the program. I want to give this kid all the opportunities before we um we we make a move there, which I think it keeps your numbers high. Uh, that junior that maybe didn't play very much as as a junior sees it. Well, you know, next year is going to be my year, and they might stick with it than somebody that that hangs it up. Now, before we get into the upcoming season, the one thing that I, I really enjoy about Hempstead is the community outreach that I've seen from your program from when I was in it, and then also some other measures that you've done since since I left the program. Uh, do you want to share with the audience here uh, some of the things that you do to give back to the community? Sure. Um, well, I, I can't take a whole bunch of credit for it. I know um, when, when Brian cool took over as athletic director, you know, he he said one of the things that he wants to see from every program is that they do some sort of community outreach, um, or some sort of service project each year. Um, coach Cooksley and I kind of, kind of spitballed some ideas about some things that we could do. Um, he has a number of contacts and relationships with people in the community. So, um, it started off with, um, doing bell ringing for the Salvation Army, and we've done that um, for a number of years now um, out at the Hy-Vee. 
um, on the Northwest arterial there, um, during, during the Christmas season. Um, so just getting out in the community and, and, um, people seeing the, the faces of the kids and, and kind of doing something, um, you know, giving up some of their time to give back to less fortunate people, um, I think is important. Um, you know, last year, uh, with coach Cooksley's wife, Amy, um, teaching summer school um, and doing the taking part in the literacy program with the uh, primary age kids. Um, we had some of our varsity kids go down and um, read to and with with those students down there. I know the Telegraph Herald did a, uh, a really nice piece on that in the paper. But, uh, you know, Coach Cooksley has, has been um, the driving force behind most of that and getting the ball rolling with all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think more than anything, um, at, at times, I think the kids are at first maybe a little bit reluctant to do that. I think once they get their feet wet and do it, though, they, they feel very satisfied, um, you know, in, in the, what they've done and giving back to people that are a little less fortunate. And, you know, it helps them to see that, you know what, I, I, I have it pretty good. I'm pretty fortunate. And I, I think it's a good lesson for down the road. You know, we look at today. Um, you know, with the pandemic that that's happening in our, in our world and in our country. And there's a lot of good things coming out of it. A lot of people that are, are pitching in and, and um, doing things on their own time to give back to less fortunate people and people who are ill and people who are in poverty and all those types of things. And I think it's just a good lesson for for high school age kids to to recognize that and to realize. Yeah, I know when I saw the article in the TH about the literacy program. I, I was a proud alumni. I was a proud former coach. When I saw that, uh, people, I'm, I know I often get confused for a gym teacher. I'm not a gym teacher. I actually teach reading and writing. I, I know that uh, that seems like a stretch for the listening audience out there, but uh, I, I really enjoyed reading that. Now, we know Hempstead has a great tradition I said at the start, they won state championships in 1974, 1978, back-to-back champions in 1983 and 1984. You are actually only the third head coach in program history. What guidance or experiences did you learn that you continue to use from Hall of Fame coach Dick Corr and the master of motivation coach Tom Wittry? Uh, that they certainly are. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of really kind of intangible things. Um, you know, certainly, uh, and they did it in different ways. When I talk about Coach Corn, I talk about Coach Wittry, um, building relationships with kids, um, being passionate about um, everything that you do, from the off season to to field maintenance to um, practices to all of those things. I, th- I think just showing kids that you care about them. Um, being passionate about it, putting them first. Um, and then also, as I said before, letting your coaches coach, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, that I certainly try to do. Um, I don't know that I always do a great job of it, but, um, you know, not being a micromanager, um, you know, if, if you're a coach in our program, that, that's what I expect you to do. And that's one thing that Coach Wittry always always said to me, whether I was at the freshman, sophomore, varsity level, is I, I just want you to coach, babe. Just go do your thing. And um, that's really one one thing that I took from him um, that I try to implement today. 
Yeah, right now, the key phrase in education and coaching is building relationships. And Coach Witchery was the master and the first one about building relationships before it was the key phrase uh, in education. And I, I just think of the connections that he has with so many players and people still continue to talk about him and people former players still get together with him regularly to relive those experiences. Now, I'm, I'm nervous to ask this next question because we do, we do run a PG show here, Coach Rapp. But um, feel free to follow up with your favorite or funniest Coach Witchery story. And you do a great Coach Witchery impersonation. So if you would like to throw that in there as well, you're more than welcome to. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to embarrass Coach. Not not that he would uh, be listening, because I, I'm not sure that he knows the internet exists yet. But um, <laughs> there there there's a lot of them. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of picking my own brain here um, for a a PG um, version of of some stories about Coach Witchery. There, there there's there was literally a story to be told every day and and we still talk about it and I still talk with him about it and we still have a good laugh. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories is um, and, and you kind of had to be there to see it and believe it but um, those that know him know that he loved to take in and out he loved to do infield outfield he loved pregame and he also wanted and loved for that to be perfect and um, you know, and by perfect, I mean he didn't want the first baseman to have to move his glove. He didn't want the catcher to have to move off the plate for for a throw from the outfield. He didn't want anybody to bobble a ball. And, you know, that just goes back to, uh, you know, he, he wanted to send a message before the game started to the other team that, that this is going to be a pretty rough game for you. And um, we, ha- we had a pregame one day up at Hempstead, and in and out was not going so well. And we fumbled a couple and we threw a couple away. And, um, you know, one of, one of Coach Wittry's, um, I, guess, I guess you could call it a weakness, is he, he's not real patient about some certain things. And that was one of those things he's not real patient about. So after we kicked a couple around, he got, got very frustrated and he turned around and he threw his fungo at the backstop. And it actually didn't hit the backstop. It actually went straight through a hole in the backstop and banged off the hill and he just walked up the field and the players stood there with their mouths open and didn't know quite what to do. And they stood there for a few seconds and thought, well, I guess we're done. So they ran off the field and it was very quiet in the dugout for a few seconds. But, um, there, there's many, many stories like that. Um, that's, that's one of the PG rated ones. Uh, but he was a very, very fiery coach, a lot of fun to, uh, to, uh, coach with, um, very fun to be around. I, I wish I would have got an opportunity to play for him. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed that when I was coaching at Hempstead. And, and I, I, I pull some things that I find are interesting facts is I was able to play for all three coaches that Hempstead had had. had. I had Coach Cora's last year when we went to the state tournament in 1999. Following year as a senior, Coach Witchery was our head coach and then playing for you in uh, 1996. We just spent some time talking about Hempstead's storied history and spent some time getting to know uh, a little bit about 
Jeff Rapp, the head coach. Now we're going to focus on the upcoming season. Coach, last year, you got an early birthday present when corner infielder, pitcher, and dangerous power-hitting Andrew Hendry joined Hempstead Baseball. What feelings did you have when you got the news, and what did that provide your team when he transferred over from senior? Well, I mean, I, I thought a lot of things. I mean, my my initial reaction to it was I, w- I was very excited. Um, I didn't know that it was actually going to happen until he, he showed up for school. Um, but, I, but I was very, very excited. Ha- having seen him play and, and, and coached against him, um, I, I knew what he was going to provide for us. You know, he ate a good handful of innings on the mound for us. He's, he's a very competitive kid on the mound. Um, you know, ideally, I think he's a first baseman. He, de- he has surprisingly good feet for his size. Um, he, he does have good hands. He, um, he played third base for us last year, and that's mostly because, you know, we, we had uh, Peter Unmock over at first base, who certainly had to be in the lineup. Um, you know, at, at, the, at the plate, I, I think from the right side, he's, he's as dangerous as anybody I've ever seen. Um, he hits the ball very, very hard. Um, you know, he hit, I, I don't recall exactly what he hit for us last year, maybe um, 380-something, 390. Um, and that, that's without one single infield hit. That's without a blooper. That's, you know, everything that he hit, even his outs were very loud. Um so he, he provided us with, with a, a lot offensively for sure, um, certainly helped us on the mound. Um, so I, I was more than, more than happy when, when he came over. I mean, he, he was certainly a, a huge piece to the success that we had last year. Yeah, last year he hit 388 with an on-base percentage of 466. He had 11 doubles, 7 home runs, and 46 RBIs. You think of adding that to a lineup that you weren't expecting coming into the start of the season. That's that's uh, huge to add there. Now, I just want to preface this that all coaches say this, and we truly do mean it. I'm going to have Coach Rapp walk us around the horn and walk us around the outfield, and he's going to tell us uh, about his varsity roster here, and I'm sure he'll say this or he'll thank me for saying this. In no way is this his starting lineup. In no way is this the opening day lineup right here. He's just going to give us some background, give us some information about the players we have, maybe talk about some of the interesting position battles that, that might be coming up and some things to look for that if you go to Dick Core Field, uh, you might see this summer. So let's start with catcher and work our way around the infield. Who, who are some guys in your program that people should be excited to see that, that they want to come and watch? Well, sure. I mean, if we're going around the horn, and, and by the way, yes, thank you for saying that because um, there, there's a lot of things that have to play out. Um, we, ha- we have, you know, contrary to popular belief, we have not set a lineup. We have ideas at this point. Um, a lot can happen between now and June. So um, players that we that we currently have that um, are certainly going to make a strong showing for us and, and fight for starting positions. We, you know, we have um, we have some good catchers in our program. Um, we're very fortunate. Um, George Sherlock returns for us. He, he's, he's only a sophomore. He did a great job behind the plate for us as as a freshman. Um, Zach Sabers um, is a very, very good catcher. Um, 
you know, I think he would he would be the first to tell you that that's not his favorite spot to be, but he's going to have to be there for us as well because he, he does a phenomenal job behind the plate and, and certainly swings swings a really good bat. Um, and then coming up for us also is Trey Shaver, um, another real strong built kid. Um, you know, he played up as a freshman. Um, he uh, had a very good year at the sophomore level last year, so he, he can fit into that that mix as well um, behind the plate. Um, certainly over at first base, I, I think you're going to be pretty hard pressed to uh, to beat out Andrew Henry. You know, he'll he'll hit uh, somewhere in the top to middle of our lineup for us. Um, and then at second base, we, we actually have kind of a plethora of, of people there and, and good defensive people there. Um, you know, Max Pins had a, had a very nice year for us last year. Um, you know, he, he started a handful of games for us, pitched some innings for us, um, you know, hit very well for us last year. So I, I, would, I would certainly say he, he's a front runner at second base. We have Dane Shope over there who had a great year at the uh, – at the sophomore level last year, good athlete. We have Nick Smith, who has a great glove. We have Devin Schwartz there. We so we have we have a lot of people to plug in there. Um, shortstop, you know, we uh, we brought up a very good athlete at the the end of the year last year, and um, and uh, Kellen Strohmeyer as a young as a young freshman. I believe he's you know he's a sophomore. I believe he just turned 16 recently or maybe isn't even 16. So he's he's a young kid but very physically mature. Got some great great tools. Um University of North Carolina uh commit. Um Brock Doyle is a senior for us. Um play shortstop as well. Um didn't get a lot of time last year, but he's, he's somebody that we can plug in there. Um, over, over at third base, uh, you know, I, I think Zach Sabres is going to do some work for us over there. Trey Shaver is going to do some work for us over there. Uh, a lot of that's depending upon who's pitching. Um, but I, I, I foresee, you know, both those guys getting some reps and some time over there. Um, as far as, as far as outfield is concerned, we, we have, we have a handful of, of, very good outfielders and, and very good hitters out there. Um, you know, Devin Udaly returns for us. He played right field for us last year. Um, hit very well in the middle of our lineup. Um, pitched very well for us. Um, Logan Rundy um, played some right field for us. Um, I would anticipate that he'd, he'd probably play more um, out there this year than he did last year. Um, Michael Garrett is is a junior. Um, he, he played a good amount as a sophomore last year, defensively, really, really good, really, really quick, good base runner. Um, you know, a leadoff type guy, maybe a nine hole guy, something like that. Um, that's, that's kind of his game is, is, is to run. Um, you know, we got, we got a, a few guys that we can plug in out there, um, in the outfield. And I don't know exactly what position that's going to be. Dougie Saunders can really hit the ball. John Cornelius, Brock Booth, um, you know, are, are, are just a few guys to mention that um, I, I don't feel bad at all about throwing them out there and, and giving them an opportunity. I don't think we'd miss a beat with, with any of those guys. And that being said, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, a lot of it this year is putting together the pieces of the puzzle like you talked about earlier. And uh, a lot of that's dependent upon pitching and, and who's on the mound for us because, you know, I, I would say without doing the math, it's about um, – 85% of our, our K 
kids are, are pitchers and they're going to see some time on the mound. So that's going to juggle some people around in the lineup a little bit for us. Now you mentioned some names here. Uh, just want to give a shout out to Audrey Henry and Zach Sabres and Logan Rundy. They did make the honorable Manaman, AKA honorable mention for the Hempstead all decade team. Also want to give a shout out to some former students of mine. I see on your roster here, you mentioned uh, Dougie Saunders you also mentioned um, Zach Sabers. I see Carson Meisenberg on your list as well. So shout out to some former students of mine doing some great things. Now, the baseball coach in me, I, I like to watch things that not a lot of people will watch or even notice. But one thing that, that I love when I, I watch Kellen Strohmeyer is I love his hands. He's got soft hands. He's got quick hands. And seeing him field and seeing how well he is with his hands, uh, he kind of reminds me of, uh, of Derek Jeter out there at shortstop with, with how smooth he is with uh, transitioning the baseball and fielding, fielding ground balls. Anything to add with uh, your roster before we talk about your pitching staff? You know, well, uh, you know, getting back to Kellen, yeah, he um... – he is a super, super, super athletic kid. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got every tool in the toolbox. Um, you know, he's just a young kid and he's going to, you know, he's got a lot to figure out as far as how to use all those tools. But um, we, we expect really good things from him. So, yeah, he, he is a really smooth player, especially for his size. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got to be 6'2", pushing 6'3". Um, right now, he's working hard in the weight room. So he, he's really especially at the high school level, a pretty big, big uh, shortstop, but he moves very well laterally. Um, he's very quick. He's very fast. And he's like you said, he's got, he's got very good hands. So um, we look for him to do a great job at shortstop for us. You know, there's, there's a lot of people as far as our lineup and our, our roster is concerned that um, I may not have mentioned. And, and that goes back to, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. Um, maybe somebody doesn't show up the first day um, and, and decide that they're not going to play this year. Maybe somebody gets injured. Maybe somebody has great problems. I, hopefully not. Um, but, um, you know, we, we're fortunate in the fact that we do have some depth. We have some versatility um, of many different kids that can can go many different places and play many different positions. So, um, that's certainly an asset of ours and a luxury of ours that we haven't always had. Um, so there, there's there's a lot of kids that can play some some important roles, even if it's not a a, a starting role for us. Well, another thing that impressed me about Kellen too is just when I've watched him, um, he hustles on and off the field. He always he always holds his head high, and uh, he looked like just from watching him take infield outfield and. And watching him between innings, uh, he, he doesn't take anything for granted. He doesn't take anything lightly. The, the first baseman rolls him a, a ground ball, and he's not flipping it behind his back to the second baseman or, or dogging it. He's, he's working on something every single time, and he's making a strong throw every single time. That was, that was something I really noticed, not knowing him, but hearing about him when I went to watch, seeing what intangibles that he brought. Now your pitching staff, you're losing five seniors. You have to replace six wins and 65 innings. Who steps up? Who leads that staff? 
who are some guys that uh, you're expecting big things from? I know our first episode of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, Coach Soigling and I talked about how much we want to come out and see Devin Udaley pitch, and he was a guy who was not on our radar before starting this podcast. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of guys. I mean, like like I mentioned, we're fortunate um, with the number of arms that we have, and and I wouldn't say they're just arms. I would say they're pitchers. Um, you know, certainly Logan Rundy um, has as good a stuff as I, I think that uh, of anybody that you're going to see all year long in the Mississippi Valley. Um, you know, as, as far as his fastball, his secondary stuff is is, is very high quality. Um, so, I, you know, I expect him to uh, to give us a chance every time that he goes out there um, to win. Um, Devin Udaley had a great year for us last year. He actually did more than, than I expected of him on the mound. Um, so I, I would expect him to come back and, and duplicate that or, or, you know, maybe maybe even exceed what he did last year. Um, Andrew Henry is somebody that's worked really, really hard in the offseason, um, especially with his pitching. Um, so I think he's going to have a better year for us. You know, he, he threw, he threw just absolutely lights out, um, against a very, very good, uh, Xavier team down there last year. And, um, you know, so I, I think as he becomes more consistent, he, he's certainly going to be very good too. We brought up Brock Booth last year as a freshman. Um, he's in the mix right now as possibly being a, you know, a, a starter for us. Um, he's certainly going to eat some innings for us. We're, um, you know, we're looking at Lane Wells, um, big, big sophomore kid that throws pretty hard. Um, had a great sophomore season last year. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of arms. Max Pins did a great job coming out of the bullpen for us last year. Uh, Zach Sabers um, is probably going to do some more pitching for us this year. Um, you know, Michael Garrett returns for us this year. Um, some of those sophomore kids that are coming up, um, you know, they pitch quite a bit like Dane Shope and Trey Shaber and John Cornelius and, and some of those kids um, are going to eat a lot of innings for us. So, I, you know, it, it's always tough to lose seniors, um, but, you know, I, I'm not concerned with um, filling those innings, I guess I would say. We, we certainly have enough arms, um, as many arms as probably anybody, to, uh, to fill those roles. Now, take us down on the farm. And when I say that, we know major league teams have a triple A, double A, high A, low A, rookie ball, winter ball. Who are some young players that we might not see on varsity this year, but you think have a bright future? So maybe some incoming uh, eighth graders or some freshmen or some freshmen making that jump up to sophomore. Who are some talented players uh, in the program that in the next couple of years will be making a splash up on the varsity team? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, hopefully a lot of kids and there's, there's a lot of kids that um, come to mind. Um, I guess the first the first couple of kids that, that jump to mind are a couple of freshmen that we have that I think have um, very, very bright futures. Uh, Solon Munson um, is one. He's a freshman. He, um, you know, he, he played as an eighth grader last year. He played at the sophomore level. Um, played some, uh, he, he caught, he played some outfield, um, good left-handed hitter. He's, he's put on a lot of size, um, and added some things to his game. So I, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. Um, Johnny Mearing is another one. 
um, who I think is ahead of the curve right now. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere along the line when, you know, we're, we're playing eight games in a week, if he comes up and does some throwing for us. Um, uh, very good middle infielder, very good feet, very good hands, strong arm. Um, he has a lot of tools. He can hit the ball as well. So I guess those are the first two that come to mind as, as um, guys who have had a lot of success, played a lot of baseball, had a lot of good coaching and teaching um, guys, you know, that I, that I look um, for to have a, a pretty bright future for us. Yeah. To piggyback on those two guys, I was excited when we went as a Western Dubuque last year, our freshman team went to play Hennessy's team. And I was excited to see Sol and Munson play, uh, know his dad and mom very well. They're neighbors of mine and um, was pretty disappointed that he got called up to the sophomore team the day before we were supposed to play. I'm disappointed as I did not get to see him play, but a little bit excited that we didn't have to face that bad in the lineup. But uh, Johnny Mearing, I believe, was on uh, Coach Stevenson's team, and he actually one-hit my team, and I believe they beat us uh, three to nothing. But... Um, and I had a very, very good hitting team last year. And to, to one hit us, that's a, definitely a tip of the cap to him. Please keep me posted. Shoot me a text if Johnny gets a varsity start next year. I would really love to really love to come and watch that, see how he develops as the year and his career goes on. Now, last year your team went 23 and 16. What are your expectations for this year? Do you think you'll possibly be ranked in the top 10? Do you think you'll win the side of your division? Possibly maybe even win the conference? State championship bid? State championship? What, what, what are your expectations going into the upcoming season? Well, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm not going to, to make any predictions because I, I'm usually wrong. Um, you know, last year's team, to be honest with you, um, exceeded some of our expectations. Um, you know, some of that was due to the addition of, of Andrew Henry, which helped us a lot. But um, I, I thought we did really well for a young team last year. Um, I, I would expect this year that we will be better. I mean, we're certainly um, baseball wise, we are better. There's a lot of intangible things, as you know, that go into a season that a lot of X factors that um, you don't know how that stuff is going to play out. I mean, um, you know, we've had some teams in the past that maybe weren't uh, the most talented, but they turned out to be great, great teams for a lot of different reasons, which really had nothing to do with baseball. Um, so I, I think we're baseball wise, we are we are as talented as, as we have been or more talented than we've been since I've been around. Um, so, you know, are, are we going to win the division? Are we going to go to state? I, I, I don't know that. I, do we have the, the potential to absolutely. Do we have the potential to win the conference? Yes. Do we have the potential to, you know, if we get to the state tournament, could we win it? Absolutely. Um, you know, that being said, you, you know, you get thrown in a sub state with, with somebody like West Dubuque and, and uh, <laughs> you, you could be done in a hurry. So um, I'm not going to make any predictions on that. You know, you, you can have a, a great, great season and, and run into a buzzsaw at the end. So I don't know how that's all going to play out and how, how people are going to fulfill their roles and, and, um, and things like that. But we certainly have the opportunity to, to make a lot of noise this year. 
I really hope that that doesn't happen with you and Western Dubuque getting put in the same bracket. But I remember in 2014, they put us in senior in the same bracket, and we were two teams uh, ranked in the top 10. And thankfully, Clinton, Cole Pennock, uh, and their assistant coach, Bucky Rococo, took care of senior for us, so we didn't have to come back and face Sam Knoll. But avid fans will know this, but I'm a casual baseball fan. I like watching baseball, but I, I, I want to see who's, who's coming, who might be playing minor league baseball, who's got a potential to get drafted. So who are some of the teams and who are some of the players in the MVC that if, that if I want to go watch a guy like, let's say, Mitch Keller from Xavier, who I can go watch play in high school and in four or five years go watch him play in the big leagues, who, who are some of the top players that will be coming to Hempstead or that you'll play against, and who are some of the teams that that will be feared this year? Well, you know, I, I guess my first thought is 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 come and watch us because I, I think we're very talented. Um, you know, how far do some of those kids go? I, I don't know. We we have some very talented kids, um, some t- kids that are going to go on to play college baseball, and where they go beyond that, I'm I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, I guess. If you're not talking about our team and you're you're thinking about some other teams, I, I guess one player to to watch um, who has a very high ceiling, I think, is somebody like Marcus Morgan from um, Iowa City West. I mean, people have seen him already play for a couple of years and and, and know his ability. Um, great, great athlete. Um, you know, three sport athlete, good in all of them. Um, on the mound, as, as as tough as anybody in the state. Um, so I know. Uh, most likely we'll probably face him at Hempstead this year. Um, you know, cause they, they come to our place this year. We played two great games against them last year and, and wound up losing both of them. We, we didn't get an opportunity to face him, but um, hopefully we do this year. So he, he's one person that sticks out in my mind as somebody who could really go a long way in the game. If you wanted to, um, you know, a couple of younger people just across the way over at Wallert, uh, Tommy Speck, university of Illinois commit, you know, I think he's got a lot of great tools. I mean, he's going to continue to get better and better and better. Tall, lanky kid from the left-hand side, has a cannon for an arm. Um, he's going to be exciting to watch. I think Jared Walter on, on the mound, I think, is a very, very um, good competitor. Um, has a lot of really good stuff. I think he's going to do good things for them. So, um, you know, I, I you certainly don't have to leave the county to, to see good baseball. Um you know, and up and down the Mississippi Valley, there, there's there's a number of, of really good players um, to watch. I don't think you're ever going to see a bad baseball game. Now, take us down memory lane here. You said you've been with Hempstead for 30 years. I, I can't tell by how well you look. You've, you've aged a lot better than I have. Maybe it's because you keep your hair short. We can't see your receding hairline. But. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I wear a hat. <laughs> who, who do you think is the best player that you have ever either coached or coached against um there are a lot of them i I, the player that sticks out the the obvious choice is is probably ryan sweeney Mm. who actually started his career off at uh cedar rapids jefferson and then transferred over to xavier um you know he went on to i I think a a decade-long career in the major leagues with, with a number of teams, but um, he was somebody that from the time he was in eighth grade 
you you just you just knew. I, I remember um, seeing him at Hempstead. I don't know if he was an eighth grader or freshman at the time, but he was he was batting fourth for them and um, launched one off Pennsylvania Avenue. And and you could just tell he was different um, at that time. And certainly as he he became older, I mean, he was just very very dominant um, even on the mound. Um, I actually saw. Being a left-handed kid throwing low nineties, I thought he was going to go as a pitcher, but he, he went as an outfielder. Um, he was, he, he uh, was drafted in the second round by the White Sox, and then traded uh, to the Oakland A's. Had a little stint there with the Cubs. I actually faced him at Hempstead as an eighth grader. I actually homered off him. That's my that's my claim to fame. And then my next at bat, for some reason, Coach Witchery pinch hit for me, put in Travis Kraus. And uh, Sweeney drilled him right in the middle of <laughs> middle of his back. So thank you, Coach Witchery, for uh, pinch hitting for me there. But yeah, he was he was a great product, great talent, and did have a serv- serviceable major league career for ten years. What else were you going to say about Ryan before I interrupted you? Um, don't know. I, I mean, he he was just um, you know certainly as he became older in, in high school and, and had the reputation. I mean, he was somebody that you just knew he was going to, to do something special. Um, every time, every time you went out to see him or every time you faced him. Um, so, and, and he, he was really a pretty humble kid. So, um, he, he was, he was fun to watch. He actually gave my oldest son, um, an autograph, um, before a high school game one time, cause we're Sox fans and, and, and uh, he was he was kind of bartering back and forth as, uh, on his contract at that time, trying to get a million dollar signing bonus. I think he wound up with like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he he was fun to watch. He was. Now I saw this when I was with uh, Varsity. Sometimes you travel to programs, and teams will bring back players or teams and they'll honor them before a game or they'll have some past players or some past coaches throw out maybe a first pitch is there have you ever put any thought into doing that um i i guess honestly no i i haven't thought about that um you know there's a number of people that i can think of that that we could bring back to do that uh one of the things that we've done is um you know every year is is not only at Hempstead, but at Wallard as well, is, is honor the uh, the uh, past grant vote scholarship winners. Um, so that's something that we do to bring some of those those guys back. And that's, you know, that's going on about uh, a dozen years now. So lots of people that we bring back for that. I, I haven't thought about uh, somebody coming back and throwing out the first pitch, but, um, you know, certainly something to think about. My uh, recommendation would be Coach Core. If if we ever do the first pitch, I'd like to see him do that. Now, you're primed to have a great season. You got talent all up and down the program. Let's take a trip back to memory lane and let's look at that 2010 and let's look at that 2014 team. Why were they so special and why were they so so good? So take this opportunity to talk to your players that are going to listen to this and the millions and millions of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast fans that tune in every week. But what are some things that they did that people would not know? Behind the scenes stuff that kept them on the straight and narrow and, and led to those successful seasons. 
Sure. Um, you know, the first obvious answer that I'm going to throw out there um, before I talk about some of that stuff is is they, they had pitching. And everybody knows you're, you're not going to win without pitching. And we had some very dominant pitching um, both of those years. Uh, as far as X factors, and, and this is the reason I don't make predictions, because, um, you know, you don't know how some of the stuff is going to play out. But um, some, some of the things that, that made those teams really good was was senior leadership. Um, and, and experience. Um, I know both those, both those teams had kids that did play up, um, whether they were freshmen or sophomores, did play up at the varsity level, so had a little more experience. But that leadership was, was key, I think, in their success. Um, they held each other accountable. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but I know that uh, there, was a, there was a player, and it was one of our first pitcher-catcher sessions that we had, uh, of the season in, in February, probably. And, and um, this particular person um, decided he wasn't going to go to pitchers catchers. He was going to play in a, um, in a boys club basketball tournament that day. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have to make any phone calls. I didn't have to say a word because I know a couple of the, a couple of the, his teammates um, catcher in particular went to him and, and pretty much chewed his butt and talked about, you know, where, where's your level of commitment here and what are you thinking? And, and, you know, you can, you can play basketball whenever this is, this is time to get ready for baseball. And, and, you know, it's those types of things, um, that, that really, really go a long way. Um, having those coaches, um, on the field, you know, those players as coaches on the field and, and having that, that leadership and, um, you know, telling telling somebody when they did a great job, and telling somebody when they need to they need to pull their head out. And um, you know, both those teams had that. We also had on those teams. Uh, I can think of specific people who were truly role players, and they took it upon themselves to play that role to the best of their abilities. They didn't whine and complain that they weren't playing shortstop and batting third. Um, you know, whenever they were called upon, they were ready to go. And, and rose to the occasion, even if they weren't an everyday player. Um, unfortunately, we don't always have that, have that as we talked about earlier. Um, but those, those teams had those intangible things that really put us over the top. Um, they never, they never took a day off. Um, practice was practice. It was time to, it was time to go to work. Um, we didn't have people showing up late. We didn't have people taking reps off. Um, and, and players held each other accountable and, and the players that were, you know, second string were, were pushing, um, were pushing the player in front of them. And, and, and those guys that were some, sometimes three year starters knew that, Hey, if I don't come and work every day, um, somebody's going to take my spot. And I, I think, you know, that, that's what made those teams good. It, it's not that they were more talented. We've had more talented teams that, that didn't um, play to the level that those guys did. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's the Around the Horn section of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Five random questions that the guests were not prepped for. Coach, anything you'd like to add about those 2010 and 2014 teams before we get into the Around the Horn segment of the show? Yeah, just just a couple other things. Um, some of the intake tangible things and some of the things that I thought were important um, that those groups did. You know, I, I don't know, 
quite when it started. I, I know one thing they they did um, off the field together, which I think is important for a team to to do things off the field together to have that camaraderie. Um, but I, I know they arranged a, a canoe trip, which um, frankly always worried me about you know sunburn and in the river and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, it, it was a good time. It wasn't organized by by coaches. It was organized by themselves, and and um, so I think that's important to do that off off field stuff with each other. And and I know that that 2014 team, you know, um, at prom time, prom time is always a time that um, that coaches worry about about you know kids making good decisions and things like that. Well, that that group took it upon themselves to kind of have their own. Um, after prom party where they got together and um, kind of, you know, held each other accountable for, for making the right decisions and, and doing the right thing off the field. Um, so, you know, those types of things um, go a long way as, as far as a team's success. And, and I think those are some of the reasons they were so successful. Thanks for sharing that, Coach. And also, you always have to have that one or two players step up that you really weren't expecting something from. And I can throw out names from both teams that had one or two guys that just stepped up and were huge. All right, so the Around the Horn section is five random baseball questions that you were not told ahead of time. Get to know you a little bit better. And first question, rapid fire, all-time favorite player? Uh, there, there's there's two, and they're both – well, no, there's, there's several. I, I'm not very good at this being on the spot. Um, growing up, Mike Schmidt, George Brett. Um, uh, in recent years, Paul Canerico, Frank Thomas. Nice. Favorite Hempstead memory. You could go the route as a player. You can go the route as a coach. Your call. Um, as, as a player, I had the opportunity to play at the state tournament, um, when there was only four teams that made it, uh, down at Marshalltown, that would have to be a highlight, um, as a, as a high school player. Um, you know, certainly, um, every trip that we made to state, um, winning that sub-state game, um, was very, very exciting. And then uh, obviously uh, playing down at Principal Park um, is, is certainly a highlight for everybody, I think. Now, Jeff Rapp, 18 years old, year 2020, you're stepping up to the plate and Bob Lenz is playing your walk-up song. What song are you having played when you step up to the batter's box? Uh, TNT by ACDC. <laughs> I knew that. I knew when, I knew you were going to uh, answer that when I uh, asked it. Favorite, now, you and your wife after the season and before the season travel to see quite a few baseball games, and it is a bucket list item for you both to visit every major league stadium before you guys pass on. What is your favorite stadium, major league baseball, that you've ever been to? Well, that that being said, there there's eight of them that we have not been to. So, I, um, of the ones that we have been to, um, my favorite, my personal favorite, and maybe it's not the nicest, but I really enjoyed it was uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, we 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 hit all the California parks in in one visit out there. Um, San Diego, extremely nice stadium. Uh, San Francisco just had a cool cool vibe about it i don't know if it was the bay or or what it was it was freezing there but it was still um that that was my favorite so far 
I know the three that stand out, and I haven't been to any of those three, but Camden Yards, where the Orioles play, is a favorite. Uh, you hear the Giants Stadium, also PNC Park, where the Pittsburgh Pirates play. I hear those are, those are the three. And then the last one, favorite baseball movie. Um, boy, um, that is a tough one. I, I, I really like Bull Durham a lot. Um, Field of Dreams would probably be the popular choice. And, and I enjoy that one because, um, we actually, when I, when I was in high school, that was being filmed and we actually, um, as a team, um, went out there and laid the side or helped laid the side for that, for that infield, um, at the, at the field of dreams. So, um, that was, that was pretty special too. But, um, uh, Bull Durham, I, I gotta say is probably right up there. Great movie. We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background, the podcast is coming to an end, just like the game did when he entered. Stick around for closing time. I would like to thank Coach Jeff Rapp from Hempstead Baseball for sitting down with us and sharing a little bit about his program, a little bit about himself, and a lot on the upcoming year. A lot of good things going on up at Hempstead Baseball. You've heard the song, Mariano Rivera's Enter Sandman. We know that that was his music when he walked in. It's closing time. We're going to start off with our guests, and we're going to take some reps with rap. Okay, I, I guess my, my message, I, I would like to send um, a couple of messages to, to parents. Um, you know, some of the best seasons that we've had um, certainly included the parents. The parents played a, a big role in our success. Um, they can also um, hinder our success. Uh, what, what I would really like to see uh, from parents is, you know, when, when you come to the park, just come to the park, eat a cheeseburger, watch your kid play and, and enjoy it. it. It lasts a very, very short time for 95% of people. And, um, you know, when the game is over, um, just tell them they did a great job, whatever role they played and, and leave it at that. Um, you know, I, 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 as a parent, I would not talk to my my son about the game or about his performance unless they they brought it up to me. Um, you know, you, you certainly can rehash everything and and you can point out mistakes and and kids are the first ones to know when they make mistakes and those things don't need to be pointed out and those are for coaches to correct during practice. Um, you know, I, I'm going to steal steal a line from uh, Mike Matheny if if you've ever read the uh, his book the. Uh, Manathini uh, Manifesto, uh, um, or Matheny Manifesto, rather. And um, he, he said, the coach is right, even when he's wrong. And, um, you know, I, I think what he means a couple of things by that. And um, that is, as a parent, you do need to be supportive of, of your son's coach, um, because your, your son is going to take on the attitude that, that, that you put in front of him. If, if you're going to badmouth the coach, if you're going to badmouth the program, 
the intern is going to have a bad attitude and that's going to permeate throughout the team. It's going to permeate throughout the program. If, if you can say to your son, you know, if he's not happy with playing time or where he's playing or whatever the case might be, um, then I, I would encourage parents to tell their son, go talk to your coach about it. You know, ask what you can do to get into the lineup. Ask what you can do better rather than sit and stew about it and, and blow up about it. So parent, parents have played a big, big role for us in our success at Hempstead High School. We've had very supportive people. Um, behind the scenes doing lots of little things um, and coming and cheering our teams on um, and just like any other program you know we, we've had we've had a parent here and there that has done the opposite and it can really make all the difference in the world as far as attitude is concerned so I would encourage parents sit back take a deep breath um, enjoy your cold drink and and have fun um, watching your son play and contribute to the team in whatever fashion that might be and, and just enjoy the, uh, the summer weather and, and just be glad you're sitting at a baseball game. Coach Rapp, I just want to thank you for uh, sitting in with us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I appreciate taking some reps with you there and that also piggybacks on something that I had said a couple episodes ago about parents, your number one job is to be supportive. My minute with Manaman today is going to take a different route, and I don't have a tip to give you. I don't have any advice, but I just want to take this opportunity, and I would like to thank Hempstead Baseball for all the opportunities they gave me as a player and as a coach, and I would like to wish Every Hempstead baseball player, coach, and parent, nothing but success for this year. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how your season unfolds. And that goes to all players at all levels. And just like that, 6-4-3, we're out of here. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.